0: You are getting ready to listen to one of our Encounter Worship Nights. We gather the first Tuesday night of every month with other local worship teams and pastors to go deeper into worship and learn more about God. We hope to see you next month in person at our Encounter Nights. Father God, tonight we just thank you so much for who you are father god for who you are in our lives father god and that you right now as we've called down from heaven father god and i I believe that your spirit is in this place your holy spirit has filled this room father god and lord as we have been intercessory praying for others father god as we worship father god we know that you inhabit the praises of your people father god and lord that you are going to do a great and mighty thing in your people tonight father lord god that we tonight we can spark something inside of us father god Lord God, we cry out to you tonight, Father God. Lord, and we are so, so glad that you were the light in the darkness, Father God. We are so glad that you were there lighting our way, even when we're stumbling around and we don't have a clue what in the world we're doing, Father. Father, to we just take the opportunity tonight to proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords in our life. Lord God, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to move tonight, that you would open hearts and minds, Father God, that as we get ready to get into your word, Father God, that you can help reveal something to each and every one of us and that you speak life into us tonight. Father, we just thank you. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. And everybody says, just like if it was Sunday morning, you were going to shout it out. Amen. 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 There we go. Awesome. Well, you can be seated. It is so absolutely wonderful to have you all out here tonight at discover church 's very first encounter night and uh, it 's the test the test flight, like Frank is describing it here and the The cool thing about this is is uh, is tonight as we 're kind of going through this and kind of working out the test but uh, i 've been talking with some of, uh, of the folks on the leadership team, and uh, really talked about how, you know, I'm hoping and praying that this is a really great launch point because one of the things that I'd love to see, obviously, is we want to see people engaged deeper in worship on Sunday mornings but sometimes they need a little bit of help in that. So that's kind of the purpose a little bit of these nights to get you fired up and we can get more people fired up so that on Sunday mornings, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, willing and able to help kind of show others that maybe don't know what worship is. They've never experienced it. They don't know how to, you know, they, they might sing Leonard Skinner in the car, but they don't know what it's like to stand in a room and sing with other people to God. They don't know that. So as, as much as it's strange for us, especially if you've been in church for a while, but we got to remember when we have a lot of new church people, we kind of have to help teach them how to worship. And and obviously some of that comes from the stage, but that also comes from people in the seats around them saying, "Hey, listen, it's okay if you sing off key. Ain't, ain't nobody aiming for perfection here. Just." take the opportunity to sing out. So it's going to be a great time. So uh, one of the other cool things about Encounter Nights that we're hoping to do here in the future is that it's not always going to be me and it's not always going to be our worship team, but we're actually going to be having some other churches, uh, praise teams, and some other pastors come in and speak uh, just so we can, uh, you know, listen, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get sick of hearing myself. So so I'm taking the opportunity to invite some, some other folks in uh, for that. It's going to be great. Uh, but tonight we're going to. to. To get into uh, kind of a teaching, a little bit of preaching here. And if you are a note taker, uh, I would encourage you to take some notes tonight because um, I I fully admit that tonight's material uh, I did not come up with by myself. Um, This is coming from a teaching from Matt Keller from Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, for the past year, Amy and I have been involved in uh, a a leadership program they have for pastors and their wives. um, And each of us have been in our own group. We go down there. uh, Last year, we went down there, I think, three times for in-person meetings. And it's just been really good for us as pastors. Uh, we're in groups with other pastors that kind of get life breathed into us on the side because, you know, we do a lot of speaking, a lot of teaching, a lot of encouraging. So it's always good to have some of that coming in in our lives as well. So this is coming from that, and really the title for tonight is, uh, is this. is Are you ready to settle your sonship and daughtership? Okay, are you ready to settle that? And today we're going to start with two kind of like given things because um, I've got a lot of stuff I'm going to try to get through tonight, but at the same time I want to make sure we are on the same page starting with, and that is this: is uh, we got two givens. The first one is is that God created the church as His plan A to reach the world. So we all know that Jesus came, he lived, he taught his disciples, Jesus died, he resurrected, and what did he tell his, his disciples to do? To go out and spread the gospel, right? And so we as believers have done that, and that is our job. Uh, so that, that's number one. The second one is this, is that God puts his children in a house to grow and develop and to fuel his mission on the planet, okay? So that's really what we see is the church's role, right? So the church's role is not just to come, have programs, to have small groups just for ourselves, but it's really so that we can come together, we can develop into a plan so that we can put God's mission on earth into action, okay? So we all know this though, right? That the enemy uh, fights among us, right? He wants us Uh, To come out because one of the things that happens is if the enemy can get into our lives and can get us out of one of those two areas, then what it does really is it helps to remove us from the blessing and covering of God, I believe. Okay, I I I believe he wants to basically come in and pluck us out so that we can be by ourselves. Because yes, you can be a Christian and be by yourself, but how many of you know that it's it's hard being the only man on the island, right? If you don't believe me, watch uh, Tom Hanks when he's Will's a castaway. That's right, Will's It's you know, it's no fun. It's no fun being on the island by yourself. So that's those are some of our things. So here is what we're going to do. We're going to say that uh, in every house. There are three kinds of people with three different mindsets, okay? Three kinds of people with three different mindsets. And with all these people with mindsets, we're gonna find ourselves as this. And this is inside the church, basically, we're gonna be talking about, okay? The first one is this servant. The second one would be a sibling. And the third one would be a son or daughter, okay? Now, we've got a little diagram that Amy's put together. Uh, God bless her. She is my she is my masterful wife. She just makes me look good in all things, okay? So she's got this up here uh, for us to help us with as far as a visual. But really, uh, what we need to understand about these three ideas, right? Servant, sibling, or son or daughter, okay, is that this is our mindset in depending on which category we're in, is how we see God and ourselves in God's kingdom. Okay? And I'll kind of break this down here kind of quickly. I'm going to try to go through these pretty fast. But here's this. See, a servant sees themselves as an employee. Okay? And a servant sees themselves as an employee. A sibling likes to see themselves as equal, right? Or a son and daughter likes to see themselves as heirs. Okay, so if you don't understand what I mean, well, here's simply what I mean. My kids know, because we've actually talked about this with my kids, is that they understand that the hard work that me and my wife put in right now is for them in their future. Like, they understand that if, like, whatever I have left over, guess what, it it, it all goes to them. They're heirs of everything that we have, and they grasp that. So we find, though, that servants, they feel like they have a job. You know, the servant mentality, the servant mindset is like, you know, you're the boss, boss. Okay, whatever you say goes. But siblings feel like we have an obligation. I feel like we have the obligation to help out because of sibling mentality. And sons and daughters feel like they have the privilege. When you're a son and daughter, you grasp the concept that, guess what? When you're in something, it's a privilege to have that opportunity. You know, servants are thankful for the job and the paycheck, and they're on board with the vision as long as, guess what? They still get some money every couple of weeks, right? As long as something's still coming in for that, they're they're okay. You know, uh, on moving day, the servant says, I'll be there as long as you pay me. And, and, and for the sibling, though, on moving day, what's the sibling say? Sibling so says, it's my brother. I guess I have to. You know, I guess I got to do it. You know what I mean? We have that, that mindset there of obligation. But sons and daughters say this on moving day. Sons and daughters are like, yeah, let's do this. You know why? Because when we move in, guess what? I have a new room on the other side of that. Like when so- sons and daughters say, guess what? On the other side, they realize that what's happening is all happening for them. Because guess what? They're heirs to everything that's happening. Servants have the mindset to the have to, you know the oh do do we have to you know, and and the sibling mindset is I I should or I ought to do it like it's it's you know ugh you know it's another one of those oh it's my brother, it's my sister it's one of those things that I kind of have to do but sons and daughters get to say yes you know I I get to do this I get to do this and. And I I know a few churches. I, I, obviously, I've I've been in ministry for a while. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm almost scared to tell you how many years it's been because it's been well. I've, we've been married for fi- more than 15 years, so it's been 15 more. I said more than 15. Don't you don't have to keep pointing up, okay? <laughs> I, I know more than is more than 15, but. But one of the things that, that I, I've been around a lot of church ministries, those that I've, I've worked for, been a part of, and those that I've just been connected to, and I know one of the things that happens sometimes, right, in churches, is churches can operate a lot like a business, You know, which to a certain amount, we have to. But at the same time, one of the problems that we have sometimes happen in churches is we just decide to pay everybody to do everything. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't compensate people for time, effort, and energy, right? Right? But at the same time, when it becomes a business-like transaction, it does something in our relationship to God, the relationship that people have, because then all of a sudden we have people that just attend something that other people manage and maintain and take care of, but we don't recognize that we have ownership in that something. You following with me here? You know, when we don't have the mindset of the son and daughtership in our own lives, it really, it, we miss something out of that because what happens is servants servants feel like they're they're contracted you know it's part of a job description one of the things that, uh, you know, if you've been in ministry for a long time, you know, like uh, I think me and Frank and even Tracy have gone over this because they do stuff for the church. like Tracy helped organize the encounter nights, right? And one of the things that we all know, if you've been around a little bit in ministry and you want to know, hey, so what's the job description, right? Well, the job description might be this, but there's always that trick line at the end, isn't there? Like that says basically anything else that comes up that could be anything in the whole world, right? So, so for the servant, they're looking for the job description because they want to be able to say, oh no, 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 taking out the trash. That's not my job. That's not my deal. The siblings, though, the siblings have this uh, uh, connected, right? So siblings, one of the things that happens in the sibling relationship is you experience the amount of love, which is where you get like phileo, right, brotherly love, where we get that aspect. But sons and daughters, what we find is that they end up being submitted because when sons and daughters understand where we are in the place as far as God's kingdom and his ministry, what that does is it makes us understand that we have the unconditional love for for the house, for the people, and for what God is calling us all to do. It's, as far as leadership goes, here's what a servant does. A servant, when it comes to leadership, they exploit weakness. I don't know if you've ever known anybody that's had that mentality when they've been in something. They, like, exploited weakness. You know, when the boss shows any kind of weakness uh, or fault, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you'll find that the, ser- the person with the servant mentality wants to exploit that. Or, or better yet, what they'll do sometimes is they want to hold on to that and they'll say, I'm going to hold on to this information until it benefits me because I can pull it back out and use it again, right? But the siblings, what do siblings do? Siblings expose, expose weakness. Does anybody, uh, you ever have a brother or sister that's ever wanted to expose grown up, expose weaknesses? I bet a couple, uh, I've seen a couple of hands. There's somebody over here pointing right here. Because here's the deal, and, and well, you know, here's what I'll tell you, okay? So uh, I, as far as exposing weaknesses, I, I couldn't help because I knew he was going to be in the room tonight, was thinking about Cody. And so for Cody, one of the things that I'll tell you about Cody, if you don't already know this, Cody's pretty good at sports, pretty good at most sports, Okay. Uh, I'm okay at sports, but not as good as him. So one of the things that I make sure about is that when I get to play him in some sort of sport, whether it's a virtual one or a real one or anything, and I beat him, I want to make sure he knows about it, which is why it happens, doesn't it, Emily? Because here's the thing that happens. Here's the things that happen. You know, we want to expose weakness, like how Cody a couple years ago asked me to go golfing, and I somehow beat him because I haven't been golfing in years. And then guess what happened? He never invited me back to go golfing ever, ever again. So that's, that's okay. I'm not bitter about it at all, you know. But, you know, so they ex- expose weakness. And in the church, what does this look like? Th- this, this looks like, you know, have you, uh, have you uh, can you believe uh, you know, what Pastor Curtis can't do. Or, or you know, when it comes to like Frank or Tracy or Scott or somebody leading worship, oh, uh, can you believe they they did this? You know, they have this exposing weakness kind of mindset. But what does a son and daughter do? A son and daughter, uh, they want to cover weakness. Now, I, and I'm not talking about this in a negative way, but they cover weakness. And and a son and a daughter, if you have somebody in, in your family, like a, a father and mother, right, that exposes some weakness, one of the cool things, if you if you have this mentality, this air mentality, is that when a mom or dad exposes weakness, you say, guess what? My mom or dad, I love them to death. They might not be perfect, and they, they've actually shown me, though, how even though they're not perfect, I don't have to always aim for perfection. We, we understand that I have permission not to be perfect out of it. And Genesis 9, we, Noah, you find Noah has a really great example of this, right? Because if you know the story of Noah, right? He, this is after the flood, the boat has, you know, landed, and we've got off the boat. And Noah, as you can probably imagine, is a little bit distraught here. He's a little bit messed up. And so what, is, what happens in Noah's sin, right? We have, we have a couple of his sons, and what do we find that these the kids do? You find that one it comes to expose him, right? One says, hey, come look at dad. Look, uh, can you believe this? Come look at the mess that he's made. And then what we find, though, is the other two say, no, 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 that's not how we do things. The other two actually, what do they have? They, have, they walk in backwards. They cover him up because guess what? They realize that it is not right for them, for, for, for the, the relationship they have, to try to just to blatantly expose this, but to love the person that they're trying to go through it with. You know, I think as we study the New Testament, we see people in all kinds of stages and responses according to the servant, sibling, and son and daughter mindset. We, we find all, all of them. You know, you find uh, servants, uh, which would be after Jesus died, what would the servants have done? The servants would have fled. The servants say, guess what, man? I'm out of here. You know, the gig's up. You know what I mean? Because Jesus isn't around. He's not feeding everybody anymore, and he's not showing miracles. I'm out of here. We would see the siblings, and the siblings you could see in, like, the Pharisees. Because one of the things that the Pharisees had is they had the mentality that they are the same as God. They were the same as, because they did all the stuff that they did, they basically, it meant to them that they were the same as everybody else. But then we find that through the sons and daughters, the sons and daughters were the ones who actually showed up afterwards to continually care and take care of Jesus. And then they were the ones that found out that, guess what? Jesus is risen. In relationships, we see servants as dutiful because they commit to the duty of what's happening. We see siblings as transactional. But we see that sons and daughters in relationships, it's based off of love and not the phileo kind of love but the agape the unconditional love and these mindsets determine how we act and how we see ourselves in the house and and listen none of these is is really bad right The servant, the sibling, none none of these is really necessarily bad, but if we don't find ourselves a son and daughter, if you you don't have that relationship as how you see yourself or how you see the people that sit next to you or or, or the people that we work and we worship with together, if if we don't do that, then guess what we're going to find? We're going to find there's some things missing in our lives. I want to read to you this, and, and this is probably... One of the best little statements out of this message is this, is that the starting point of our mindset in the house is directly connected to our mindset on how we see ourselves in relationship to God, our Father, first. The relationship, the starting point for our mindset in the house is directly connected to our mindset of how we see ourselves in relationship to God our father first you know everyone everyone has the relationship with God that has a relationship to God is going to view themselves in one of these three areas and and we have to realize that that the son and daughter is 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 where we're supposed to be and the reason is is because it's biblical because what do we find that Jesus when he was baptized what what happened what happened We find this, Matthew 3, 17, a voice from heaven said, this is my son who I loved and I am well pleased. What did he call, what did God call Jesus? He called him his son. Now, for us, we might not say, well, okay, what does that mean? Well, listen, he called him the son, not the servant. But was Jesus a servant? Yeah, he was a servant. He absolutely, he he was, that was true, you know, did he call him brother? And you say, well, no, but but according to Philippians two six, we find that it is said that basically God and Jesus were the exact same. So you could even relate that nature there. Did, did he call him a ministry partner? Did he call him just uh, somebody that he had a relationship with? No, 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 no. He said it was the son. And really, this is where you find that God that God and Jesus are are setting up the familial model so that we, as the church, could see ourselves in the right relationship with him. You know, Jesus refers to God as Father 165 times in the Gospels. Paul, on top of that, adds 40 more. So the second point here is this one, is that sonship and daughtership is where the power and anointing is. It's where the power and the anointing is. See, Jesus' power did not come just from serving God, but because of his sonship. Jesus said he only does, he only says exactly what the Father wants him to, right? That's exactly what he said. And in fact, we see that when the disciples, this is in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out the 72, and in Luke 10, 17, it says this. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then this is where Jesus replies, guess what? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What's being said here is that, listen, the, first off, you find the 72 that have gone out are astonished, right? Because guess what? They've recognized that there's power in Jesus and there's power in God. And and, and what I love about Jesus is when he talks about how he has... Uh, He's, even, he's seen Satan fall like heaven from lightning. And listen, Jesus says, listen, I already know the story. I know who wins. I know how this all wraps up. He continues on there in 19. He says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. And can you imagine? all the, These guys are all gathered around and been like, ooh, I've been trampling on snakes and scorpions. Uh, Cody would love this because he's not a fan of snakes. Are you, are you a fan of scorpions? Scorpion. He likes scorpions, but he's not a fan of snakes. he He would be so excited this, and the disciples are like, oh yeah, it is getting real. And in verse 20, he says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. And why? He says, why? But he says, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, listen, this is great that you can cast out enemy, uh, that you can cast out demons right that, that's great but listen, that's not the highlight that's not the great part. The great part is is that you're a son and a daughter and you get to experience the inheritance that I've given to you that through, through me and he says this at, at that time Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said this he says, "I praise you, what does he call him? Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things." From the wise and learned, it, from the siblings and the servants. He says, And you've revealed them to who? To the little children, to the sons and to the daughters. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. And in verse 22, he says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except for the Father. He says, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son to whom the Son chooses to reveal. He continues on here, and he, he actually talks about uh, uh, the prophets and kings of the past, right? That they didn't even know. And, and, and basically, we're saying that the really awesome thing about this is that we get to live in the New Testament time where we get to experience the familial bond with God like nothing no one else was able to do before Jesus Christ. That was a pretty cool thing, I think. And in Acts 19, it says this, and, and this is actually one of the, the, one of the funnier parts in Scripture in, in the New Testament, in my particular opinion. Anybody remember the, the story of the seven sons of Sceva? Yeah? I was going to say, this is, this is a little bit of their thing. But here, he says, in Acts 19, 13, it says, Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits and tried to invoke the name of Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. And here's what they would say. i I recognize this. Maybe you've read this and you've never paid attention to it. It says they would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And I think it's easy for you to read when you see somebody said the Jesus, then guess what? That probably doesn't have any relationship connection there, does it? You know? Uh, you, you know, my children better not go around calling me the dad, okay? That's, that's not, that's not going to work. But what we find here is in verse 14 that the seven sons of Sceva, uh, a Jewish chief priest, it says, we're doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them. And this is when like uh, all of a sudden the hair on the back of their neck stands up a little bit. And it says, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? He says, listen, I know the people that are in the family, and guess what? You ain't one of them. And then, of course, uh, one of my favorite parts is then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. All right? Sometimes that's what happens, though. We want to impose a sonship that, guess what? We don't have authority over. We're seeing ourselves in a different manner. And the third one is this, is that sonship and daughtership is a choice and a mindset. It's a choice, not a mindset. It's not an age. It's not how you feel in the day. But it's a choice and a mindset. One of the things that I uh, have struggled with for probably the past two and a half years, really longer than that, really as as long as I've really been a pastor. Obviously, uh, uh, I I know I don't look it, but I'm relatively young. And one of the things that uh, of recent that God has really been speaking to me about is the concept of being a spiritual father right? Because I don't know if you've been in church for a while, if you've had a lot of people, if you've had somebody speak into your life, you probably have a spiritual father, right? And and it's been hard for me as the pastor of Discover Church to imagine myself being like a spiritual father to someone, right? Especially to people that are older than me. But one of the things that I, I have, I have to understand is that, that God can work through each and every one of us because he's called each and every one of us to to have the familial relationships with the people in the church. And, and for me, that obviously means a little bit different than for so, for some other people, but it's one of those things I've really been struggling with. And, and, and it's just one of those things I continually to pray about to say, hey, God, listen, you know, help me understand to see that I can be a spiritual father and maybe you don't recognize this in your own life because maybe you have kids, but you don't understand that there are people connected to you that might be thinking about you as a spiritual father, as a spiritual mother to someone. And it's really hard for us. It's hard for us to see, but Jesus said, guess what? We can do it. And it's really about the mindset and the choice that we make. He says this in John five nineteen. He says, Jesus Give them the answer, verily, truly, I tell you. Verily, truly means like truly, truly, like really listen, pay attention. He says that the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. And when I read this, when I, I read this, I, I don't know, maybe again, like you, you've read this passage in the past and you maybe just kind of like glazed over it. And one of the things that I'm amazed at here is that Jesus says this, the Son can do nothing by himself. But I don't know if you recognize Jesus is talking about himself. Right? And if Jesus is talking about himself, but he says, wait a second, I can't do anything by myself. That's what you're like, no, no, you don't understand. You're Jesus. Right? Like, you can do it. You know what I mean? You can do it. But he says, listen, I... I'm the son, and and what I'm not going to do is do something by myself. I'm only going to do what he sees his father doing, what he sees Father God doing. He says, because whatever the father does, guess what? I, as the son, am also going to do. This is one of the things that I, I love, that Jesus literally submits himself as as the son of God here, and says, listen, I'm going to come underneath of what God wants me to do. God the Father, he sets up the familial model for us to see, and he did it even when it chose to be difficult. The last point here, this, and I'm going to, we're going to get ready to wrap up, and we're going to spend some time in prayer, is this, is that Satan will use offense to knock us out of our son and daughtership. This is what the enemy wants to do to us every single time. And in fact, Hebrews 12, 15 says this. This is the standard version. says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness. Can you say that? Can you say root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble? And why? Because in by it, one person, the person who has the root of bitterness becomes defiled, No, no, no. What's it say? Many, many become defiled. We find out this, that when we have roots of bitterness that spring up inside us, they, they, they do one thing. First off, they spring up. The second thing they do, they cause trouble. And the third one, which is probably the most impactful one, is this, is that they never affect just the person that it started in. Jesus said this in Luke 17:1. he said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. Why? Because Jesus says, listen, I know trouble can start, and when it does, it happens, and, and, and it can cause mass casualty and chaos. You know, every, every life choice that we have, we're going to have the chance to sow bitterness. You've probably had the chance to sow bitterness today. You're probably going to have the chance to sow bitterness tomorrow. But you have to make the decision because Jesus says, listen, hurt things, hurts hurts come, right? And what is the hurt, right? The hurt is the gap between what you expected and what actually happened, right? So those things happen in our lives. So So hurts come, but what hurts do is they lead to the opportunity to forgive, which is going to take us, to the light, or it allows us to pick it up, and what's the, what's that going to do that, that's going to take us into the darkness and what happens is is if you stand in darkness long enough, it leads to deception. What is deception? Deceptions is where you can't you can't see straight. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but recently, of course you know we, we have our puppy that we have in the house, so thankfully, I had somebody that was willing to let me borrow a kennel because we didn't have one. And, uh, and this kennel is huge. Like, it's, it's big. Like, Frank, you could put both your kids in this kennel, and they could sleep for the night. It's big, okay? I wouldn't do that. I'm just saying it's that big, though. So, so one of the things that happened with this, this kennel being this big is uh, we had to find this, we had to try to figure out a place to put it. And our house, it's not real big, you know what I mean? So, so we're trying to figure out, like, where this can be so we can still hear the dog. So, the by the grace of God, it's in our bedroom, which is not the best place for it, but that's where it is. And, and so, it literally is by the wall next to where you, like, lead to go into the bathroom. So... I've gotten to the point in time where uh, many of you are, I can't sleep through the night anymore without having to get up and go to the bathroom, right? At least once, you know, so uh, as you can imagine, you get up in in the middle of the night and you're stumbling through, and of course, you know, if you're like me, I kind of like bump the bed, bump the bed, then there's no bed, that means I know I can make the turn and go. And and then in my mind though, I knew the dog kennel was there, right? So I, I make it into the bathroom, as I'm coming out, I knew the dog kennel was there, and I did not want to rip off one of my toes. Right, so I was just like, "Oh, not today, devil! You, I I got you." I didn't. Know. But then, what I totally misjudged was where the bed was and the bottom of the bed. And so then you whack the bed, and then you got to make the decision in the middle of the night if you're going to pray in tongues, do something else, or just grin and bear it. So as I as I go through this, though, you know, that's it's what deception does to us. Deception, we're just bumping around in the dark praying you don't rip a toe off, and you just kind of go through it. Proverbs 29:18 says this. It says, if the people can't see what God is doing, what do they do? They stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, that they are most blessed. We have to take the time to attend to the hurt. And in 1 John 1.5, it says this, and this is what I love, because when we take the opportunity to let go of the hurt and we experience the light, this is what I mean, because it says that God is light and in him. Guess what? There is absolutely no darkness at all. Deception causes us to abide or, or to abdicate. I'm sorry. Deception causes us to abdicate our son and our daughtership, and it leads us into a servant or sibling mindset. And, and really quickly, as I, I close, I, I want to draw your kind of thoughts to this. Imagine, if you will, the story of the prodigal son. And one of the things that happens in the story of the prodigal son, because of course, one of the, what's, everybody talks about the son that left, right? most people, that's what we focus on. But one of the things that I think happens is that you find in the prodigal son, the perfect case of, of this three, three tier mentality between a servant, a sibling, or, or a son or daughter. Of the of the ownership of it, and you do that because what happens? Because the first son that left, it doesn't say this in Scripture, but I'd imagine he had to have gotten hurt, right? Because who just abandons their family for fun? He he probably experienced some sort of hurt or pain that makes him go to his dad and say, "Hey, Dad, listen, I'm not down for this anymore. I want my inheritance. Give me my inheritance." And so then what, what does he do? He, he gets it, his dad gives it to him, he, he leaves, and obviously within a very short time, what does he find himself in? He finds himself as a servant. He finds himself as a servant, and, and, and the, the light bulb kind of like clings you know, over his head. He says, oh my gosh, why am I here in this mess? Because I could go back home, because guess what? Even my dad's servants have it better than this. So he comes back home, and what does he do? He says, listen, he says, I don't want to be a son. I'm I'm happy just to be your servant. I'm just happy just to serve, just to be here. And, of course, what's dad do? Dad does what dad does. He says, oh, no, no, no. Listen, you're not a servant. You're my son. You're my son. You you still are part of my house. You, You still have the blessing and the anointing. So then what happens to the other brother? The other brother gets upset, doesn't he? And he exhibits the sibling mindset because he says, well, I've been here the whole stinking time. I've been here the whole stinking time. I've done all this stuff. You gave this away to him, and now now I'm getting the short end of the stick? Now, I feel like I can't do that? One sees the servant mindset. The other sees the sibling mindset. But the whole time, you have the Father in the story. He says, no, "No, no, no. This is not how I see you. I see you as the heir. You, you don't get to work for me. You get to. You get it all. You get the whole thing." So the question tonight, I, I want to ask you, and and I hope that you've been able to track with me, is this: is is are you ready to settle your sonship or daughtership? Have you have you really grasp hold of who you are in God's kingdom? Have you, really, have you really took the opportunity to say, guess what? I recognize that I'm not just here to occupy space. I'm not just here to serve. You're not just here to greet people. You're not just here to, to play a guitar. You're not just here uh, to, to serve in any capacity like that. You're not a servant. You're not just here because, you know, you kind of owe God something and because, you know, because he's going to give you eternal life, you figure you might as well come because you find a sibling mentality like, I guess I ought to do it. But the fact is, is that guess what? You're an heir to his kingdom. You're an heir to everything that he has. In fact, Jesus says, listen. When I leave, if you'd grab a hold of this stuff, you're going to do greater things than I ever did. Because guess what? You get to be part of the family. I'm going to ask if the worship team, if you guys, if you want to come up and get ready. If everybody else, if you'd stand with me tonight. I just want to ask, because we're going to get ready to wrap up, close out. I want to ask you about these few, few things here. Tonight, as we close and we, we have a, a, a song here we're going to sing, as we get ready to go through this, will you take the time to say to yourself, and, and this has to be a personal thing. You can't make it about your family. You can't make it about anybody else. It has to be an individual thing that I will choose to see myself as a son or as a daughter of God first. That's the very first thing I'm going to do because if if you can't grasp hold of that you're going to struggle with the other stuff that we're going to take the opportunity to choose to see myself as a son or a daughter of God first. And then the next one is this is that I will choose to process the hurt when it comes. Because here's what I here's what I want to tell you and, and this is really I guess part of the whole reason that I I picked this message right now, and you're, you're probably going to hear some of this later on at a later point down the road, I'm going to break this down and do it a little differently, but one of the things that I really feel is I feel like Discover Church is kind of like at a ledge. I kind of feel like we're at a ledge, like we, we have a lot of things going right. We have, a, we have a lot of stuff happening and a lot of great stuff that's happening. But what's happening, and this is not something that I, as the pastor, as the leader, can do, but what's happening, I feel like like the Spirit of God is saying, listen, I want you to step out in faith. I want you to take that step. But the problem that we have happening is that we have some people that haven't grasped who they are in Christ. They haven't grasped what their relationship is And so they've got some internal struggle happening. And then on top of that, we have the enemy wanting to come in and and, and bring up sickness in families and and bring up relationship issues in families and and pull all these strings, right? Trying to fray the strings, fray the edges out. And and, and the problem is, is the whole time I'm sitting here and listen, this is me as a pastor. I'm sitting here going, God, please, please watch over these people. Watch over our people. Watch over your people, Father God. Because I know that, that, that we're at that ledge and, and there's something there when we step off of it. And the best part is, is when we step off, it. it listen, it's God. So God is not going to take us down to another level, right? We're, we're going to go up. We're going we're gonna to climb a little bit. We're going to get a little bit closer to him. And I, I think it's one of those ones where if we recognize that we have that ledge, And maybe you're not ready there. Maybe you feel like you're, like, not quite there yet. Well, guess what? You're not alone. And maybe you feel like, oh, man, I am chomping at the bit to jump off the ledge. Well, listen, jumping off the ledge by yourself is okay. But listen, I want to bring the whole crew with us. I want to bring everybody with us. I want to see everybody take this next ledge and just just move forward in God and really take ownership of who they are so that we can realize that we're not just a couple people who meet as discover church but we are heirs apparent to the kingdom of God that we have an incredible inheritance that that no one else can beat no one beats God's benefit plan and then if we can grab hold of these handful of things man I think God is ready to shoot this thing out like a cannon I think he's ready to take some people's lives and just, just, just show up in a crazy insane way so I want to pray here tonight. I want to pray and ask you this. Can you, can you really make the prayer that says, you know, I choose to see myself as a son or a daughter of God first. That's the first thing I am. Among everything else. And then the second thing is, is I'm going to be on the lookout for hurt and offense. I'm going to be on the lookout for those little things that are wanting to sprout up to divide us and to overcome. And guess what? I'm going to choose to forgive and show grace. I'm willing to overlook the small things and for the big things. We're going we're gonna to do this in person because guess what? We are a family. We are sons and we are daughters and we're going to do it together. Can you make that your prayer? And listen, I, I just want to encourage you. I come from a Pentecostal background, so one of the things that I am not used to and still kind of bugs me to this day, I'm not used to when I pray, people just standing there looking at me or just like, I want, I want you to pray with me because yeah, I, I can pray, but I, I want you to pray and I, and I really think, and this is, and this is something, I, I'm a relatively shy, conservative, laid back person, but I really, truly think that when you take the opportunity to pray out loud, that something happens. I don't know if it's in your body. I, I don't know if it's just spiritual. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's the whole thing. But when you, when you do it out loud, something happens, something happens, something happens so would you take the opportunity tonight, would you pray as we get ready to go out of this place and we get ready to conquer the rest of this week, would you pray with me and just turn your life over as far as being the son or a daughter of God first. And then let's take the opportunity to say, guess what, God, I'm, I'm going to lay down hurt and offenses. I'm going to put this thing into practice. I'm ready to take this next step to, to jump off this ledge to see what you have next. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word. And father god listen i i i am i'm so excited that you call us sons and daughters that you don't just consider siblings father god we're we're not just servants that we don't just come to serve or to do things father god lord god but father that you have called us your sons and your daughters The, the inherent privilege and opportunity it is to be called part of the family of god And Lord Father, right now, Lord God, I pray for each and every person in this room, Father God, that you can help work in each and every one of us what it means to be a son of God, what it means to be a daughter of God, for us to realize that, guess what, you have inherently given us Power and ability father god way beyond an opportunity maybe way beyond where we're currently at father god but lord you blessed the disciples father god lord you blessed the early members of the church father god and we've seen the gospel spread like wildfire father god we've seen miracles happen back then father god lord today we call out for you father god that we can understand who we are in your kingdom father god so we can see miracles, Father God. So we can believe things that that, that that seem unbelievable, Father God. So that you can do a work in our lives, the lives of our families, Father God. So that you can do work in the lives of our friends, Father God. So, Father God, that we have people that are experiencing sickness and illness, Father God. So that you can do a great work in their lives, Father God. So that we won't get held down and held up by these pulls of the enemy, Father God, that are happening in our lives against the boot. Uh, roots of Bitterness Father God Lord we know that you're going to continue Father God to do a work in your people And I proclaim right now Father God that you're not going to let hurts and bitterness Father God You're not going to let these things sprout up in this house Father God in these people Father Lord God whether it's in children and whether it's in teenagers whether it's in adults lives Father God Lord that you are going to do something Father God that you haven't yet done in Discover Church Father God That 2020 Father God is going to be a year where we're we are going to sow deeper into your kingdom, Father God, and we're going to pour our hearts out even more than we have in the past, Father God, and we're going to love our community and our neighborhood like we never have, Father God, and Lord, that you are going to do a great work in this place, Father God, through your people. Lord God, not because we need any highlight or glory, Father God, but Lord, we want to all give it back to you for who you are and the goodness that you've done in each and every one of us, Father God. Lord, we thank you so much, Lord God, for the opportunity to serve you, to be part of your family. Lord, we recognize we're we're not worthy to be sons and daughters. We're not worthy of that. All the mistakes and the sin and the junk that's been in our lives, we're not worthy to be called an heir to your kingdom. God, through it all, you still loved us. Through it all, you still sent your son to a cross so that we could bridge that gap, Father God, so that we could have that opportunity, Lord. And tonight, Father God, we turn and we give all the praise and the glory to you, Father God, for who you are, our Father. Father God. Yes. Keep worshiping, church. Let's sing this song together.